Welcome back, Hemingwaniacs, to the Hemingwaniac List podcast. Hope you all had a very good Christmas. Happy Boxing Day. Epilogue 2, Chapter 10 is the second, no, sorry, third last chapter of the book. Time to talk about what's next. We're moving back, we're migrating, well, I'm migrating back to the Hemingway List podcast, the Hemingway List subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash the Hemingway List, uh, and we'll be reading on from there. We're starting Button Brooks on the 1st of January. We've got a few days in between, though. And so, uh, looking for suggestions on some short stories we can read, even just um, maybe some poetry we could do. Um, nothing. <clears throat> Here's my my request: nothing too long. I'd like to do some nice short episodes between, you know, when we end War and Peace, which I think is on the twenty eighth. We have three days or so. Um, <clears throat> so, just a couple of poems or something like that, you know. Uh, or if not, I'll find us some short stories to read. But, uh, yeah. That's what I want to do. And then you're all welcome to jump in and read Button Brooks with us, which I think should be pretty cool. I know nothing about it, but apparently it's a ripper. Hemingway recommended it, so that's good enough for me. Um, also, it looks like A Year of War and Peace will continue again for its fifth year, I think it is. So that's awesome. So some people will be taking over the moderating of that. I'll still be a moderator, actually, but I won't be doing the daily discussions. Um, but I'll be there to answer any questions along the way if you need me. But yeah, if you're, if you're keen to jump in and read War and Peace again, start again. It's, um, it's a good thing to do. It's actually more rewarding than you would think. Uh, and there are plenty of people who just read the book one chapter per day over and over and that's what they do every year and there's different English translations that you could try or if you speak another language you could read it in a foreign language you could read it in the original Russian if you are able to all kinds of interesting things you could do so there's another option but for now we've got three chapters left to read first let's discuss chapter 10 in this chapter, Tolstoy says, In the biological sciences, what we know we call the laws of necessity. What we don't know we call life force. The life force is simply an expression for the unexplainable leftover from what we know about the essence of life. It is the same with history. What we know we call the laws of necessity. What we don't know we call free will. Interesting about that life force. I guess you could say still in the biological science, there is that kind of unexplainable space between um, what is it Bi- bionic matter and abionic matter is that the word I'm looking for bionic abionic is that the word biotic is that what I'm trying to say abiotic Yeah, it's the difference between, you know, living and non-living things, you know. Uh, and there's those really those two types of matter. It's either living or not. And how does it make that leap from living matter to not living matter? 
and what is that exactly and I guess still we don't really know that do we maybe we do I'm no biologist but it's still an interesting thing to think about what makes something alive big baller Brad says remember getting halfway through the epilogue before I had to question what the hell I was reading at this point I feel like I'm just listening to my guy Tolstoy start drunkenly rambling yeah I don't know I feel like (laughs) one day I'd like to read these epilogues for what they are you know philosophical ramblings but I think it's just not the time and place for it we finish this great epic novel and then we have to end on these ramblings and it's just so hard to enjoy them but I feel like the best thing we could have done with these epilogues is try to dig into them as if it's fresh as if it's the start of the novel and we're excited to see what lies ahead FDLP1 says, I found it interesting to get Tolstoy's view on free will, though I know it's not for everyone. On the other hand, these last three chapters are, at best, only faintly connected to the rest of the narrative. Karakikar says, the way this is constructed sounds similar to the God of the Gaps argument for the divine. Everything we know and understand is governed by reason, necessity, but everything we don't is caused by the divine, free will. I must say I don't like the argument in either case, though where I fall on the is there a God question doesn't gel with my answer to is there free will. So that's something I need to sit with. Yeah, I think with a bionic matter, non-living matter, in a way, it's kind of as chaotic as it is, you know, everything has a reaction which is mm, based in physics, right? Um, whereas with living matter, it can change the course of what it's doing by making decisions. So I do think it has free will to steer the matter that it inhabits. So I think there's free will. how effectual or ineffectual our free will is I think is what's more the question we're free to do whatever but in the grand scheme of things how much of a difference does it make to the direction of everything else interesting question to ponder actually we kind of do ponder that the book I'm writing at the moment I've been writing it for a few years Um, it's a comedy book And it's inspired by Good Omens because me and my student Aaron Huggins are co-writing it. And we had to deal with the kind of, the whole, the the main character is able to travel through time, right? And he's a psychologist whose client is this kind of uh, reincarnating sort of semi-god, demigod creature who is able to live multiple lives strung one after the other and remember each previous one. So even though he's had 10 different lives, they accumulate to, you know, he's been alive for thousands of years. He's just inhabited different bodies and he has all his previous knowledge. So he becomes kind of godlike because of that. And um, this psychologist is able to travel through time because that 
demigod creature is his client and what he needs to do is stop that demigod creature from becoming too much of a megalomaniac uh, trying to control his ego when he is uh, well pure ego so because he gets reincarnated every time he gets a new life he makes the most of it he leverages off his old life and he leverages off the fact that he knows he's going to be born again and he's able to be sort of a great figure in history nearly every life so one of his lives is actually napoleon uh and one of them you know he's a mob boss and one of them is this and that and he's always doing something it's always grandiose and he's always kind of seeking more and more power now we have to deal with the the time travel thing you know and we kind of did it in a different way from how a lot of fiction deals with time travel you know like the butterfly effect like if you change one little thing all of history can change we didn't really feel like that fit with our narrative so what we did it was like history or time does have a set path but it's almost like gravity it's going in a certain direction and you can change the direction but it's going to gravitate back towards where it was so to throw it off its path completely you have to do something really really big in order to actually break that gravity and and move time off its timeline so it's not like you can just go back and stomp on a butterfly and then all of history changes you know you can go back and assassinate hitler not that that's part of our novel but just for an example but that event that hitler created was so huge the gravity of it in the historical timeline it was kind of always going to happen and in order to throw off the timeline you have to do something much much bigger than just kill one person you need to really break the gravitational pull of that event and that's how we figured our time and um why am i talking about that i don't know you just got me thinking about it i guess I guess the free will thing like yeah you are free to do anything but to actually make a chat makes make history play out differently you need to do something really really big it's not as simple as you know lifting your arm up and dropping it down as Tolstoy used as an example you are free to do that will it make a difference probably not um <clears throat> all right anyway completely off topic tonight let's just read the next chapter Chapter 11, it's a short one, goes like this. History examines the manifestations of man's free will in connection with the external world in time and in dependence on cause. That is, it defines this freedom by the laws of reason, and so history is a science only insofar as this free will is defined by those laws. The recognition of man's free will as something capable of influencing historical events that is as not subject to laws is the same for history as the recognition of a free force moving the heavenly bodies would be for astronomy. That assumption would destroy the possibility of the existence of laws, that is, of any science, whatever. If there is even a single body moving freely, then the laws of Kepler and Newton are negatived. Negatived? Negatived. I don't know if that's a real word, Tolstoy. Then the laws of Kepler and Newton are negatived, and no conception of the movement of the heavenly bodies any longer exists. 
If any single action is due to free will, then not a single historical law can exist, nor any conception of historical event. For history, lines exist of the movement of human wills, one end of which is hidden in the unknown, but at the other end of which a consciousness of man's will in the present moves in space-time and dependence on cause. The more this field of motion spreads out before our eyes, the more evident are the laws of that movement. To discover and define those laws is the problem of history. From the standpoint from which the science of history now regards its subject on the path it now follows, seeking the causes of events in man's free will, a scientific enunciation of those laws in impossible is impossible. For however man's free will may be restricted, as soon as we recognize it as a force not subject to law, the existence of law becomes impossible. Only by reducing this element of free will to the infinitesimal, that is, by regarding it as an infinitely small quantity, can we convince ourselves of the absolute inaccessibility of the causes, and then instead of seeking causes, history will take the discovery of laws as its problem. The search for these laws has long been begun, and the new methods of thought which history must adopt are being worked out simultaneously with the self-destruction towards which ever dissecting and dissecting the causes of phenomena, the old method of history is moving. All human sciences have travelled along that path, arriving at infinitesimals, mathematics, the most exact of sciences, abandons the process of analysis and enters on the new process of the integration of unknown, infinitely small quantities, Abandoning the conception of cause, mathematics seeks law that is the property common to all unknown infinitely small elements. In another form, but along the same path of reflection, the the other sciences have proceeded. When Newton enunciated the law of gravity, he did not say that the sun or the earth had a property of attraction. He said that all bodies, from the largest to the smallest, have the property of attracting one another. That is, leaving aside the question of the cause of the movement of the bodies, he expressed the property common to all bodies, from the infinitely large to the infinitely small. The same is done by the natural sciences, leaving aside the question of cause, they seek for laws. History stands on the same path, and if history has for its object the study of the movement of the nations and of humanity, and not the narration of episodes in the lives of individuals, it too, setting aside the conception of cause, should seek the laws common to all the inseparably interconnected infinitesimal elements of free will. All right, two, wait, one chapter to go. Oh man, my apologies. I thought that that was the third last chapter. That was the second last chapter. Damn, all right, one chapter to go, everyone. Wow, one chapter to go. Congratulations on the getting there. See you tomorrow for the final chapter.